I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 6 and 7. It is up on the screen, but I think uh, by opening up our Bibles, if we have them, or going to our phones, and we'll be able to look around a little bit as well. Okay. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 says, And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now these verses pick up in the middle of a sentence. It starts with, and raised us up. And so it makes you wonder what is going on beforehand. Well, Paul is continuing a thought that he began in verses 1 through 5, where he describes what God has done in the lives of his people. He begins with our condition, dead in sins destined for wrath apart from the mercy of God. And then he says in verse 3 or verse 4, but God, and he goes on to describe the work of God, what God has done to save his people. And so these verses continue that thought. And they sum up the Christian gospel. That we've been saved by God to display His grace. We are a display of the kindness of God. So verse 6 describes our privilege. And that privilege is in Christ Jesus. And then verse 7 describes our purpose. Which again is in Christ Jesus. And so the image here is that through Christ, we as Christians are supporting actors in a display that gives all glory to God. We are given the privilege of displaying God's grace in our lives. The drama of our lives is the stage on which God displays His amazing grace. So we're going to take these two thoughts in turn. The Christian's privilege and God's purpose for the Christian. The Christian's privilege and God's purpose for the Christian. As we look at verse 6 and we look at the Christian's privilege, notice first that the Christian is raised up by God with Christ. Ephesians 2 verse 6 begins, and raised us up with Him. And raised us up with Him. Paul is finishing his thought from verse 5 where he said that God made us alive together with Christ. This is the first thing that he does. He gives the Christian new spiritual life by his spirit. What we refer to what Jesus calls being born again in John chapter 3. Now in verse 6, Paul is especially 
echoing something he's previously said in chapter 1. He's echoing his prayer for the believers in Ephesians chapter 1. And I want you to turn back in your Bibles, if you would, to chapter 1 of Ephesians, verses 19 and 20. And this is the prayer that he prayed. He prayed that the believers would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Do you notice how Paul is echoing his prayer? In Ephesians 2, verse 6, he says, And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, he talks about how God worked by his great might in Christ. How he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Christian, God wants you to know that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you. The same power that raised our Lord and Savior from the dead is at work in your lives by the power of the Holy Spirit who is in you. You who believe, Paul says, toward you who believe. What God did for Christ, He has done for His people. And that is an amazing thought. What God did for Christ, He has done for His people. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones reminded his congregation about this verse. He said, it's not a prophecy. It's not a prediction. It is not holding out a hope before of something that is going to happen. What is it then? It is as sure a reality as Christ has been raised. That God is at work in you. That you are raised up to new life. Do you realize what a privilege it is that God's power is at work in you? If you believe in his son. That you are then associated with him. And not only are we raised up with him, but God also, in verse 6, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The Christian has been lifted from the depths of hell to heaven itself. As a result of the Holy Spirit's life-creating power, we belong to the third heaven. We belong in the heavenlies. The heavenlies is the sphere or realm in which God dwells. 
Okay, so the scripture speaks uh, and says that the Lord's throne is in heaven. Psalm 11, verse four. And from there, he rules over all. Psalm 103, verse 19. Well, hello there. Thanks, Janae. Where were we? The heavenlies. Where God dwells and from where He rules. This is God's kingdom. And so it is that through Christ, though we are players on this world stage, We live in this world. The Christian belongs by God's grace to another world. All right. Galatians chapter one, verse four describes the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is how Paul describes it in Galatians one, verse four. He he describes it as deliverance from this present evil age. Deliverance from this present evil age. Now, right now, at this moment, we still live in an evil age. We still live in this world. But the Christian is no longer bound to it. Our home is in another world. We're citizens of another kingdom. And so it is as if we were already before the throne of God. For we now belong with the Lord. And we now have fellowship with God. And we have access to him wherever we are. Apart from Christ, we couldn't enter the throne room of God without perishing. But now we may approach his throne without fear through his son who mediates for us. Who vouches for us by his own blood shed for us. Like Esther, who spoke on behalf of her people, Christ speaks before the throne of God. And like the Jews, we would have perished if it was not for Christ interceding for us before the king of kings. So now our citizenship is in heaven, Paul told the church in Philippi in Philippians 3 verse 20. And from this point of privilege, we await the fullness of that citizenship which Paul describes in Philippians 3, verse 21, as the Lord Jesus Christ, when he returns, making our bodies like his glorious body. This is our inheritance, that we are raised and seated with Christ in heaven. And the guarantee, the down payment of this is the Spirit of God in our lives, at work in us, 
until the day that we receive that inheritance fully. So that we now can be said to be seated in the heavens with Christ. I want to add just briefly one other thing about this, this great privilege. That we are seated with Christ recalls to mind the rest and victory of Christ. The rest and victory of Christ. For this is what he did, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 tells us. He sat down. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, in heaven, in glory. When did he do this? After making purification for sins. Brothers and sisters, the work of redemption is complete. Christ finished that work. And so to be seated in the heavens is to be in a place of rest and is to be in a place of triumph, of victory. So it is not only that we are citizens of heaven, it's not only that we belong in heaven, now it is not only that we have the right to approach God, but we also share in the rest and victory that our King has achieved for us. So this is His victory, but it is ours with Him, just as when a king wins a battle, the whole people benefit from it. The whole kingdom flourishes with the triumph of its Lord. And so no more can be added to it. No more needs to be added to what Christ has done for His people. He has not only made a way into the kingdom of God, but He has richly provided all that we need all the way so that we can be said to be at rest in our souls and have victory in our lives through Him. And this is a free gift to enjoy through faith in Jesus. What an amazing thing. The lives that you and I now live, both the ordinary and the dramatic moments, and we have those dramatic moments, they're lived by the power of God. All this is given in Christ. And we enjoy His victory. And enjoy rest for our souls because of His work. Received by faith. So our lives are now a display of the grace of God every day. And He saved us to show His glory. I want to look now at verse 7 and God's purpose in saving us. God's purpose in saving us. Verse 7. So that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. The word so that 
or in order that signifies purpose. It's telling you there's a purpose in what God is doing. The purpose for which God made us alive and for which he raised us up and seated us with Christ in the heavenlies. Why did he do that? That purpose is to demonstrate or display his boundless grace. Why did God save us? Why show such mercy? Why save you? Why save me who was dead in my sins? So that he might display his grace, his great grace in the coming ages. In the coming ages is a way of saying throughout all time, all the ages that are to come, continuing on into eternity, God intends to display his grace, his kindness towards his people. He does this now. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul will say the next chapter on, he will say, so that through the church, the manifold, the many faceted wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Even now, angelic powers watch in amazement at the wisdom of God who would choose, as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the foolish things. The world laughs. They don't see the glory and the wisdom of God. But the angelic powers and the unseen realms cannot escape the fact of God's great wisdom and His great mercy and kindness towards people that don't deserve it. But you know what? This display of God's grace will not end with this present age. For Christ, with whom we are raised, will rule. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21 tells us, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Christ isn't king for a generation or two. He's not a king until this world passes away. He will be Lord in the age to come. And with him, this display of God's grace will continue. So the hope that we have is not for this life only. It's for the life to come. Spurgeon said, Eternity itself will not improve upon the gospel. When all the saints shall be gathered home, they shall still talk and speak of the wonders of Jehovah's love in Christ Jesus. I believe that's true. There's no greater subject than the grace of God, is there? And I do pray that you talk and you think often of His grace. The wealth of his grace or the riches of his grace is said to be exceeding or immeasurable, all surpassing. But words really cannot 
capture the extent of the grace of God. I find it very hard to preach on the grace of God for one simple fact that it's hard to sum up. It's hard to put words to how good God has been to us. When Paul takes up the theme of God's love in Ephesians chapter 3, he writes in Ephesians 3 verse 8 of the unsearchable riches of Christ. They're unsearchable. He says they can't be mapped out. It's like a cavern. If you've ever been in some of these caves down in, in Montana and, and, uh, or I've been in caves in West Virginia, uh, they go on for miles. And then they, you get to a little crevice and you've got to barely squeeze through and there's a giant cavern. God's grace is like that. It's untapped. We can't measure it with a measuring stick. Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, that the believers might know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Something more than can be known with, with words or expressed with our tongues. But we can see, even if we may not be able to fully express the kindness of God, how God's grace is at work in our lives. What it is that He has done in His love. Paul tells us in Ephesians 2 verse 7 that this love, this boundless grace is shown in kindness. God expresses benevolence, goodness, uh, compassion towards us in Christ Jesus. And that thought is very important. So we're going to spend a few moments on that thought as we close. God's compassion is expressed toward the Christian. It's given to you in Christ Jesus. And all the great privileges and benefits that we have and are described in verses 5 and 6 of Ephesians chapter 2, being raised up, being given new life, seated in the heavenly places. All of this is also in Christ. We have to understand, we have to remember that we are our beneficiaries. We benefit from, we are blessed by God's immeasurable grace, His kindness, only because of Jesus Christ. God's grace is given in connection with him who died and rose again once for all. I think too often that we start with ourselves and there we go wrong. The Christian is privileged indeed. God's power is at work in His saints. God's glory is revealed in and through His people. This is good news. Do not make light of it. Be glad in that. But our privilege is not because of ourselves. We deserve mercy no more 
than the next person. Our privilege is because of Christ. And so our purpose is not about ourselves either. The goal is not self-exaltation. It's not about racing on to get first place and piling up good things to make ourselves look better. But rather, our purpose is something far greater, far more fulfilling, far better. And that is to display God's grace, to show and tell how good He is. If you think the Christian life is about you and your efforts, then you miss the point of these verses. The salvation is the work of God. That it's His kindness to the undeserving. You know what? Any good that we do, we cannot take credit for. You can't take credit for it any more than an old sports car can take credit for being rebuilt by a mechanic. That car displays the mechanic's abilities or, or lack of them. Now, I'm not saying that we're a car that's mindless and just a mechanical thing. But the life that we've been given by the Spirit of God, the power, which is the ability to do work, the power that He's given to us, the righteousness that He's given to us, it's from Him. How can I say I'm saved by God's grace and then take pride in my works? The only reason that we could say I have done something good is because of Christ in us. Because of His work in our lives. So let's remember that. Godliness is the fruit that's produced by a life transformed by God. That's what Paul is going to make abundantly clear when he gets to verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2. We're saved by grace, not of any sort of work, but the good works that we do, God prepared for us. He made them ready for us and he made us ready to do them. So our prayer should be when we think of the grace of God in our lives, like the psalmist in Psalm 115, verse 1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name, give glory. Is that your prayer? Do you love God so much that you want his glory more than anything else? You can say, I'm so indebted to Him. I'm so in love with Him that I want Him to be magnified. I want other people to see how good He is because of how good He has been to me. What does the drama of your life display? Does your life reflect 
an emphasis on yourself, on your reputation, on your wants, on the things that make you happy and comfortable? Or does your life display God's grace? Could watching angels tell that the grace of God is at work in you? Would even the demons know that this one bears the mark of the power of God? The power of God is transforming them into a man of grace, into a woman of holiness. Why or why not? Christian, you've been blessed. Blessed beyond what you deserve. We are privileged to display the grace of God. God's power is at work in you. And Christ's victory is your victory. That is good news. Let that encourage you. Let these truths lift you up when you are sad and worn out. That it doesn't depend on you. That your salvation and your blessing in Christ depends upon His strength. Be glad, brothers and sisters, for our God is gracious. He never stops his steadfast love never ceases. It doesn't end. And if we know that, wow, then our life can become all about Him. He's what matters. We can talk about His grace. Pray to Him for more grace. And extend grace to others. You've been saved to display God's grace. To show off His glory. His grace is the greatest show on earth. And boy, am I excited. I'm excited to see Him work in our midst. Because this is what He said He will do in the lives of His people. Praise God for that.